This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby or SheCup and I am one of the hosts for this podcast and I'm also here with my other co-host and I'll let him introduce himself. Yes, so I am Teacup or Austin. I am the other co-host for this podcast and yeah, welcome. Yeah, we're super excited again to join together and talk about Assassin's Creed. Um, We've been talking about Assassins versus Templars and uh, different conflicts they've had throughout the years, but I think we're doing something different today. Is that right, Austin? Yes, we are going for another character deep dive. Exciting. So this character, I got the inspiration because right now I am playing through Assassin's Creed Revelations. And there is a DLC for this game that allows you to explore the memories and life of this character that we're doing. And that is the one and only Subject 16, Clay Cosmeric. Cool. I um, haven't gotten this far yet in my playthrough, so I know nothing about this person whatsoever. Yeah, um, it's a character that's mentioned. Uh, You can learn quite a bit about him in the games, but not a lot, Uh, especially if you don't like jumping puzzle parts of the game that are in first person. So are you saying this person never appears in the games as a character? They do, um, and we'll get into that. We do meet them kind of... Not in the flesh, but we do meet them. Um, But we'll get into that. So, you ready to just dive in? Let's do it. All right. So, he is the son of Harold Kazmarek and his wife, who is unnamed. Uh, Clay was destined in his father's eye to to follow in the family footsteps and become an engineer. Uh, As he became older, though, Clay's interests began to differ greatly from his father's hope, causing a rift between the two. And so Clay kind of got a lot more philosophical or, I wouldn't, intellectual is not the right word, philosophical, heady, like esoteric, probably another good word for it. Um, Less about like the practicalness that would come with being an engineer. Um, And so he's really invested in like these philosophies and history and all of these points. And so, but he still has all this pressure. At some point in 2007, Clay succeeded in gaining entrance to a college of on an engineering degree, though his father was disappointed that it was not one of the top tier institutions. So believe it or not, this is a moment. Clay 
because of this, goes to a psychiatrist to discuss his feelings. Imagine that, Shelby. Good for him. I'm so proud of at least, there's at least one video game character who goes to therapy. I'm, I'm sensing that it doesn't end well, but I'm proud of him for the attempt. So as he's going through all of these sessions and discussing his feelings and also with his interest in history and philosophy and all that, he's approached by none other than William Miles the father of Desmond Miles and mentor of the Assassin's Brotherhood. He was offered an introduction induction into the Brotherhood, which he passed without knowledge of his father. Following this, uh, Clay's psychiatrist in notes noted a improvement in his attitude, behavior, and outlook, though he was oblivious to the reasons why. So he joins the Assassins with this purpose, with helping other people, and his psychiatrist notes, hey, you're happier, I guess. So just to be clear, you said that he joins the assassins and his father does not know about it. Correct. I'm getting Templar vibes from his dad. Hmm. From that point on, uh, Clay has limited contact with his father. And this is around 2010, which if you remember from our actual history, 2010 is not the best economic year for the United States. Yeah, I remember that from like my lifetime. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so due to the economic recession, his business isn't doing well. So Clay sends checks to help support the family. And his father just kind of took advantage of this and his treatment of clay didn't improve though. He was happy to take his money and eventually this over-dependency drives both clay and his mother away from Harold, leaving him on his own to fend for himself. I'm guessing that it doesn't go well. No. Okay. Um, but that's really all we know about clay and his family before we read a letter from Clay that he wrote. Um, so his dad was not part of the Templars. Not that we're aware. And this is where things get really interesting. In 2010, that same year, William Miles gives Clay the admission of infiltrating Abstergo Industries. His job was to access the personal computer of Alan Ricken, who is the CEO and a big Templar, and undercover details surrounding the Animus Project. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so Clay succeeds in this. He hacks the computer. He is able to get the data. And it's revealing a, a huge amount of funding is being invested in the project, as well as this leads to the project's leads identity, which is Dr. Warren Biddick who we all know is one of the first characters we meet uh, in Assassin's Creed ever. And from the get-go is a condescending jerk. Yes. Um, but he is a Templar, so, you know, what do you expect? It tracks. Yes. So by the success, William decides that this is a great time to really get deep into Abstergo. And so they enroll Clay as a subject for Dr. Biddick's program. 
And I just want to pause here. And this is like kind of the flaw of William Miles is that he is, it's not that he's reckless. It's that he is not cautious with the lives under his care. Yeah, it seems like he's very willing to uh, potentially sacrifice people. Right. And it's this point of like, they know that subjects one through 15 either went insane or died. And they also, at this point, they also know that if you remember from our Animus episode, the Russian assassins are working on building an Animus, and that resulted in the like madness overcoming and psychosis overcoming the entire Russian Brotherhood, resulting them into like just basically cold killers. So, why is he willing to make this sacrifice? Do you think it's just like desperation or something else? I do think it's desperation. I think that at this point, the Assassin Templar conflict, if we go back to the Order of Ancient Hidden Ones, has been going on for two millennia. And I assume that there's just a desperate need to figure this out and win the war. And William is very much a embracing the idea that everything is permitted means that how we do things doesn't matter Mm. which is not which if we talk about is not really the intention of everything is permitted right and to me that seems like you know I think sometimes we talk about you can follow the letter of the law versus you can follow the spirit of the law and I feel like in this case he's following the letter of everything is permitted but not the spirit of why that's that's a thing the and like just for occasion like based on what assassins tell us about everything being permitted it is basically an understanding that the assassins are not limited by the morality that is imposed by mankind, by humankind. Mm-hmm. And that true morality, there's no such thing really as subjective morality You ha- or objective morality. You have to be willing to take the steps necessary, but it's not a, th- it's not like a hedonism. It's not a, you can just do whatever you want. Right. It's very much, it very much strikes me as we do what we must, like we do what we have to do. We Mm -hmm. don't take pleasure in it. We don't just kill for the sake of killing. We don't just do whatever we want. We we do what we have to do and we make the sacrifices that are necessary. Right. It's also a point of like the tenets of nothing is true and everything is permitted. Do not supersede the three tenets of the Assassin's Creed. Mm hmm which means never harm, never harm an innocent, uh, stick to the shadows, and never compromise the brotherhood. Right. Um, and, like, that goes back to Aya and Bayek at this point. Like, they set forth and say, we will do what we must, and we might be not doing what the world says is morally good, but we understand that what must be done to protect the world. And, you know, I think it's different. 
it's also different for Bayek and Aya because they're the beginning. Like they're not the leaders of these massive organizations yet, as we know them in origins. Like they're two people that are trying to gain vengeance for their murdered child. William Miles, on the other hand, that's not his context. No. But anyway, so back to Clay. Clay gets enrolled in the Animus Project. And so Clay was captured on February of 2011 uh, by, by Abstergo's lineage discovery and acquisition team, which just like, if you want to know what that means, it's basically Abstergo's version of Ancestry.com. It also has the name. The name gives me gross vibes. I'm not a fan. Lineage discovery and acquisition. Yeah. Like you're talking about people. We don't acquire people. Like that's, that tells you enough about their organization from the get go. Right. Uh, And so he's inducted to the Animus Project as subject 16 held within the Abstergo Laboratory in Rome. And they relive the memories of his ancestors, particularly Ezio Auditore de Firenze, which, yes, that might strike a braille. Clay and Desmond are very distant cousins through Ezio. I feel like everyone's related to each other. (laughs) I mean, at, at some level, maybe. But, I mean, Clay and Desmond are like seventh cousins. But in the grand scheme of things, like, that's pretty close. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's only, like, a few generations back. That's not, like, your cousins, 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 uncles, grandmas, step, right. bro- like, you know, no, like, that's, that's closer than that. It is to note that I believe, I'll have to correct myself, but Des, I know this, Desmond's relation to Ezio is through his maternal line. So William Miles is not an ancestor of Ezio or a descendant gotcha. of Ezio. Gotcha. Um, he's a descendant of Altair, but not in the Kenway line, but not so, Ezio. So Ezio and Altair are not related. I mean, at some level, they are because they both have a descendant who is Desmond. But but no, no, that doesn't mean that they're related. That just means uh, their lines eventually intertwine. So, But you're saying that Ezio is Desmond's mother's ancestor and Altair is Desmond's father's ancestor. Correct. Um, you're right. Uh, it goes back to, and I think you're correct because, and you'll get to this, but the auditory line is their entire family are assassins. And so if they were, re- if they had descendancy from Altair, one of the greatest assassins in all of the history of assassins, they would They'd be bragging that. about that. Yeah. They would be bragging about that. Yeah. Uh, But throughout this, Vidic kept the true purpose of their genetic exploration secret, though Clay soon realized that their efforts were focused on locating the mythical apple of Eden. So one of the reasons that Clay's able to do this is because the assassins have an inside person in the Abstergo project already, which is the assassin Lucy Stillman. And so... 
Lucy is there to help and protect Clay in the assassin in the Animus Project. So is she doing the same thing for Desmond in Assassin's Creed 1? Yes. Um, But we'll get into this. Okay. Everything is not as it seems. Okay. Well, that makes me nervous. Yeah. Uh, So at this point, Clay, William contacts Clay and tells him to hold on and keep focusing on the task. And that when the time came, Lucy would rescue him as they were a team. So this is a point like when Clay figured this out, he wanted out. He wanted out of the Animus Project. And William told him, just hold on a little more. We have an inside person. You'll be okay. Let me guess. He was not okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Eventually, Clay discovered the true purpose of the Animus Project, which is to find the Apple of Eden and launch the um, Eye of Eden which is in a Sturgo satellite that would amplify the Apple's power and allow them to subjugate the entire world. Unfor- and then he decided that it was time for him to escape. Unfortunately, by this time, his overexposure to the Animus, because Warren Vidic has no self-control, he would leave Clay in there for days at a time. Resulted him suffering the bleeding effect, and he soon found himself unwilling unwillingly exploring the memories of his ancestors without the use of the animus. And so at this point, Clay is starting to receive visions and contact from Isu memories and Isu people reaching out to him and talking, particularly the Isu Juno, who basically reveals to him that his death is near, that he needs to deliver a message to the one who's going to save the world, which is Desmond Miles. And so Clay naturally is very angry at this. Well, yeah, I mean, he's basically just been used to prime the pumps for Desmond. Yes. And his purpose from then on there, he decided was to deliver this message to Desmond. So Juno reveals to him one thing that, that convinces Clay of Juno's like, intentions and the necessity to convey this message to Desmond is Juno revealed that the years of loneliness and abandonment that Lucy felt from having to be in Abstergo turned her against the assassins. I mean, I think that's fair on her part. Right. And they really did. The reason they did that is to make her a convincing person to infiltrate the Templars. Mm -hmm. But she felt so alone that she turned to the people who were there. Yeah. And there's a point where she was doing research and the Templars basically decided she was expendable, but Warren Vidic wasn't willing to give her up. And so he comes in and he saves her from Templar assassins. From Templars or from assassins? No, from Templar, like agents coming to kill her. He intervenes and saves her. Well, of course she's loyal to him then. Right. And so her mission is now to aid the assassins in the discovery of the apple and return it to the Templar. And so Lucy discovers that Clay knows this. 
about her intentions and attempted to explain her actions, saying that William and the rest of the order cared little for the lives that they destroyed in pursuit of their goals, whereas the Templars did. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a point like this is where the line between Templar and assassin gets great a little because of flawed leadership among the assassins. And we can talk about where William Miles is in the present and like how the effects of the game change him. But at this moment, Lucy's not wrong. And that's the point. Like Lucy isn't un like their her claims aren't unfounded. And yeah, like. I'm- the Templars what? were going to execute her, and for all she knows, William and the Assassins weren't going to do anything about it. Right. Right. I mean, I I could not blame her for feeling that way, especially when, like, they have isolated her. Mm-hmm. She has no one except for, from her perspective, the Templars. The human psyche is both more uh, resilient and much more fragile than we anticipate it to be. So, you know, when you go into a situation when you're undercover like this, like you're living in a world, you're living like a lie, basically. Like you're living a second life. And when you do that for a long time, it becomes very, very difficult to tell the two worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also just a thing about like the more you're telling, either you're telling yourself that something or other people are telling you, eventually you'll come to believe it and it'll come to be a reality. Like we see this with young children in like school. If they're told they're stupid and that they'll never get this, and that they might as well just not put the effort, they'll go their whole lives believing that and to a point where they won't put the effort. And when in all of our tests or whatever, they'll score as people always told them they would. Right. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what it's Mm -hmm. called. And like, yeah, just, yeah. Um, And there's only so long you can go by like your own self-discipline. You right. know, there's only so far that can take you. Well, one thing that is unique is a plus side in Clay's psyche is that he has a strong sense of morality and a strong moral code. And I think this probably comes from his fascination with philosophy and history and all that from an early age that he had to wrestle with deep questions early on and was able to strengthen his moral center at that point. So Lucy is not able to sway him. And like, this makes sense. Like Vidic and them are the ones who are torturing him. It's not like, and for him things like the assassin and William Miles are the ones who are trying to stop this person. And so Clay, from Clay's perspective, like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to work with Warren Vidic. He is, he is not careful with my life. 
And he knows that his death is nigh from Juno. So he knows that something is going to kill him. So knowing that Lucy couldn't sway him, uh, she said that she would promise to protect him. Uh, and she would hide that he knew all this evidence about her from Vidic, but that she could no longer afford to let him leave. Faced with no other option, Clay realized that there was only one way to get his message to Desmond. Clay obviously realizes that his time in this project is coming to an end. And this is a context content warning for you all. Um, this is a content warning for suicide and suicide ideation. Um, if there is, if you're struggling with this, we will provide the National Suicide Hotline in the episode description. Uh, please reach out, reach out to your friends. Um, this is a very serious issue. Um, and so here is your content warning for that we are about to talk about. So for weeks, Clay plans his own suicide. He decides that he's not going to wait for death to find him. He's just going to take it into his own hands. Down to the most minute detail. Biding his time and preparing his message while, while enduring the repeated attempts by Vidic to uncover the location of an apple of Eden. Eventually, Clay manages to create an artificial construct of himself inside the Animus. Through hacking the machine during the night and and split it into 30 pieces, hidden within 20 glyphs and 10 rifts, to be united by his successor. Clay kills himself the following morning, using his blood to paint secret images in his room. After his death, the Templars dump his, bitty, his body in the River Tiber. Why do they do that? Like, the project, they're disposing of the evidence. That mm. they don't want... Obviously, they can't have the world find out that they're doing human experimentation because the APA still exists. Like, they, there are still laws that regulate human experimentation that Abstergo is breaking. So they can't really, like, have a normal funeral. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. So not long after Clay's death, Desmond Miles is abducted by Abstergo, forcing, the anim- forcing into the... Animus project. In time, he and Lucy escape from Astergo, finding their way to an assassin's hideout nearby, wherein he would begin exploring the explorations of Ezio Auditori's memories. This is the events of Assassin's Creed 2. During these investigations, the assassins learned how Clay managed to hack the Animus uh, before his death, and that in doing so, he placed 20 glyphs throughout the Animus system, which were sub sub sequentially rendered in visual memories. So Desmond through Ezio finds these glyphs in the animus. And after decrypting all 20 files, if you do this, you rewarded a genetic memory marked date classified BCE. The video showed two free runners, primordial beings, Adam and Eve climbing large glass structure with an apple of Eden in hand. Um, and so this memory kind of shows the first civilization. It shows the Isu enslaving humanity, human beings. They show the Isu hybrids of Adam and Eve. It's a big deal. In Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, 16 also left 10 rifts, which was a cluster file that unlocked a piece of a file. 
Upon compiling them, they revealed a distorted video with the message, the miracle is in the execution, suggesting that unlike the video hidden in the glyphs, the riffs instead concealed an executable file, which is like a program or something that you uh, pick. It's a, it's a type of file. So like if you have an app installed on your desktop, like the Zoom app, the file is a .exe or, execu or executable for those who are not computer nerds. Which is me. <laughs> yes. Upon accessing it, Desmond found himself in an unknown area within the Animus and was able to run through a long virtual maze similar to those within the Animus's virtual training program. At the end of the maze, he found a wireframe model of Clay, partially broken and made of uh, computer code. Clay told Desmond that all hope was lost and that he needed to go to Eden and find a woman named Eve. Before vanishing, Clay told Desmond to find him in the darkness. So where is Eden? Like on in our world, where is it in so, the universe? This is not really something that is explored again. Um, Probably because it's too controversial for the Christians out there. Right. Um, and so the end of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood happens, which spoiler alert they find Ezio's apple and the apple projects an image of Juno who takes control of Desmond revealing Lucy's betrayal and controls Desmond to kill Lucy. And this exposure causes Dan or Desmond to go into a animus coma is the best way I'm going to describe it. And so not knowing what to do, Rebecca and Sean plug Desmond into the animus because that's all they can think to do. Uh, they shut down all the monitoring, like the, their ability to monitor what Desmond is doing in the animus so that all the energy can go to stabilizing his mind. This sends Desmond to a place that's called the Black Room or Animus Island, which is a kind of like a sandbox mode for the animus. It has basic physics. It's this random island. Um, and it allows Desmond to explore memories on his own that have to do with Ezio and Altair. As, and we'll get into that. Uh, so when he awakes on Animus Island in the Black Room, he's greeted by a digital construct of, that Clay had inserted in the Animus. And this looks like him, it talks like him, it has his personality. Uh, he informed Desmond that they were in the safe mode of the Animus software. He offered his successor advice on how to escape, telling Desmond needed to create a sync nexus and clearly separate his memories from those of Ezio and Altair. So basically, Clay is telling Desmond that you have all these memories and personalities that have bled over into your mind and into your personality. You basically need to have something that holds you together that lets you separate out these memories. So right, you can, like he has to have an anchor to the real world right and it kind of like i don't know a lot i'm not a psychology expert but from the little that i have exposed this is something that they do with um split personality or dissociative identity disorder um this idea that you would they build up the central self the identity there so that there's more confidence in that identity um, to help manage with the other personalities that are going on. So, you know, for therapy modes, like I'm giving an eight out of 10 for realistic. 
An eight seems kind of high. I was thinking it's like 6.5. 6.5 out of 10. All right. Yeah. And this is kind of where the events of Assassin's Creed Revelation take place, where Etsy or Desmond sorts through the memories and Clay kind of guides them. And you see Clay's kind of that he hasn't really dealt with his madness. Um, he found his own sync nexus, but by the time he did it, his body was gone. Um, so he couldn't return to his body. Um, and there's a really heartbreaking scene where Clay basically asked Desmond, it's like, what if I went with you until we figured out a way to like transfer my consciousness into a body? And Desmond's like, no, that's not a good idea. And it's just like Clay's like desire, like then it, it's really over for me. And that's so really that, yeah. And so, but little fun fact, because they turned off the monitoring uh, software, monitoring 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 software for the animus clay takes sean's place as the historian um to give desmond historical context for what's happening well that's helpful yes uh this is he made an entry for himself which is where he reveals his name to desmond and told him that they were distant cousins by virtue of their joint descendant in Ezio. When Desmond had come close to completing the sync nexus, the animus began to attempt to rectify the intrusions he had been causing in other memories. As it began to delete Animus Island in the Black Room and all of its contents, Clay grabbed Desmond in a final embrace, which he imprinted all of his genetic memories upon him and threw Desmond through the portal, saving his life. And that is the end of Subject 16, Clay Kazmarek. That's really sad. I always find stories of sacrifice, I think, compelling. But for me, this one is just sad. And it is a compelling story. Don't get me wrong. But I think the thing that makes this one the most sad is that, like, in life and in death, his story is never about him. Mm. Um, And he doesn't, like, he doesn't get that. closer i think um and every person deserves to have their life be about them you know um as part of men and he doesn't get that and it just makes me sad and i just think that like i agree with you in that but one of the things that like really makes clay like one of the characters that i like and come back to as subject 16 is that not only is he like witty and sarcastic and funny and personality and compelling that way, but like without him, Desmond and the team do not succeed in their mission. It's because of right. him that they're able to beat Abstergo to the Apple of Eden. It's because of them that it's because of 16 that they're able to be one step ahead of Abstergo. Like his work lays the foundation for them to do what needs to be done. And that's he's invaluable to the Assassin's Creed story. And it's I'm glad that he is so important. And I wish that the series would kind of acknowledge him a little more than they do because he deserves it. He's very much just a victim of circumstance and what is done to him by other people, by people who are supposed to take care of him. Um, his father doesn't show him unconditional love and support. William Miles uses him as a tool to spy on Abstergo, not really caring for him. His only care that's supposed to be there basically turns on him and keeps him in a project that leads to his psychosis and death. Um, 
And it's just very much like the only person that really shows him true compassion at a moment is Desmond when Desmond meets him right. and it's too late. Right. And he already knows that Clay already knows that he's going to die and that Desmond is the one that's like going to save the world or whatever. Right. I think there's an understanding. Uh, you and I are both big Bioware fans and, you know, we love the Mass Effect series as much as we do Dragon Age and other Bioware games. And I think Clay has a point of kind of on a similar line that Admiral Anderson does where like Anderson has every reason to be bitter against the world and not want to help. But instead he has decided to be generous and is able to take a step back and say like, my time is over. It's time to support those who it's their time to shine. And I think that subject 16 in his reflection in the animus in that program, he comes to that conclusion as well. He says like, okay, I might not be able to do this myself and there might not be any hope for me, but I can give hope for the person who comes after me. Mm. It's a really interesting comparison. And I definitely see a lot of similarities between those two characters because like they're both men who've been taken advantage of and mm -hmm. basically backstabbed um and like lost their their careers or their their lives because of it and then they have the choice like you just said to help their successor the person that's coming after them to save the world um and they had every right to be like the bitter old man who mm -hmm. you know yells at them to get off his lawn um but they make the more honorable choice yeah and if anything clay's story really makes me not trust William Miles at all, even though like he gets a little bit of redemption as the series goes on, but just that he hasn't proved himself the best steward of the lies under his care. And that it really breaks my heart that this kid who doesn't have support at home finds purpose and meaning in this group and they send him to on a suicide mission, basically. Right, right. The assassins, are, as our history of the assassin-Templar conflict kind of shows the assassins as the good guys a lot of the times, they are not perfect. They yeah. are not without their flaws. And yeah. this is one of them, big time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we usually end these episodes by talking about why we love or hate this character. So I wondered if you had any thoughts. Um, well, like I said, I do love this character because I think his story is compelling. And, you know, I love a good, you know, sad, brooding character. And I just think that his story is really important. And I think that he gives a much needed context to the bigger world, especially in like the Desmond games, because he's very much mentioned in before Revelations and just having the opportunity to learn about him broadens the world and understands like the direness of what it takes and like the necessity of stopping the Templars and stopping Vidic because like, yeah, we can talk about William Miles and his stuff for causing the death of Clay, but it is Warren Vidic who is the one who basically pulls the trigger and is the cause of him taking his own life because his greed, his, unwillingness to take care of the subjects in his experiment leads to his psychosis and all of that. Right. Because it's his experiment. It's mm -hmm. 
it's his responsibility to be in charge of the people under his care. It's not, it is William's fault. Like he sent him in, but at the end of the day, William is not there in the room. Vidic is. Right. And there's an email and like, we can talk, we'll talk about Vidic eventually because he is worth his own episode because he's kind of a main antagonist for the Desmond games. There's just a point of like, he has such a, um, casual disregard for the sanctity of life that is just disgusting there's an email that corresponds between lucy and warren vidic that lucy's basically asking about a friend who committed suicide and like what happened and because she like seemingly was happy and warren vidic basically is just like she committed suicide get over it like it's not your business focus on the work that we're doing which is just you suck i hate you I hate that. Right. But yeah, that's Clay. Um, I think that a very essential character and the assassins and the world wouldn't be where they were. There wouldn't be assassins if it wasn't for Clay at this moment. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else you have to add about Clay? Nope. That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Well, do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.